hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Wine Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Ryan. Nice to talk to you today. Nice to talk to you as well. And today, we are fulfilling a, um, a long-time and multiple-time uh, listener request. And recently to, uh, requested, too, I should say. And recently requested, yeah, uh, to get into um, the... The life. Well, I think specifically uh, the introduction to the reading of Hegel, uh, the uh, collected lectures by Alexander Kozhev, uh, very important figure for Lacan and not just for Lacan, but I mean, for in some ways, if there's a, um, a figure who we haven't talked about, who is most prominent to the things that we get into on this podcast, he might be the most important. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. I think, in fact, I think there's an argument that he mm. is the most important thinker of the 20th century. Wow. So I think that pe- most <laughs> people big. say... You didn't even say... You, normally you give me big claims like that before the show starts. I, I know, I, I know, yeah. I know. I wanted to surprise you with that. But uh, oh, Okay. Like, I think that most people say Wittgenstein or Heidegger, but I mm-hmm. think part of it is his influence, which we'll talk about toward the end, but mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. just think his... The way he amalgamated Hegel, Heidegger, and Marx mm-hmm. so shaped these other thinkers and also was just an original philosophical contribution. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, you're right that the, the, the really his most important work is called Introduction to the Reading of the Phenomenology of Spirit, but mm-hmm. it's, it's almost not that, right? It's almost his own thing mm-hmm. that he's creating in the guise of uh, it's funny because the opening thing is in, called "In the Guise of an Introduction," and so right, right, right. it's almost mm-hmm. like the book is in the guise of an introduction to Hegel. I'm going to give you my own philosophy. Right, right, right. That's uh, it, it's and it's so interesting what he gets into. I mean, just this a little bit. Um, we're not going to start the way this is. We're going to go is a kind of a more because I think Kozhev is mostly known just for this. So we're actually going to do a bit of a biographical thing uh, first. But it's if you just crack open the first couple pages, it's really fascinating what he takes from Hegel, just right from the beginning. You get into, as, as we pointed out in, um, which section uh, of, of I think of self-consciousness, Hegel. when we're talking about self-consciousness, yeah. Yeah, yeah where, where Hegel talks about desire, and it sounds quite a lot like Lacan, Um Kozhev picks up on this like almost immediately, like in the first like few pages. So, um, and, and you will read uh, Kozhev talk about, I mean, we're going to talk about this too. You're going to read Kozhev talk about the, um, like the primacy of desire. And it will in a lot of ways uh, sound like you're reading uh, Lacan. I mean, with the only, um, the only, it's a, uh, one of these classic slight, but significant differences, right? Where right. the, um, yeah, the, for, for Kozhev, uh, there is a uh, desire for the other's desire, and it's, I think, Lacan's desire for uh, absence and lack. Right, right. Like, I mean, yeah. right, and desire for recognition yeah. in Kozhev. Yeah. And, 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 and is, for it, Lacan, it's, there's a demand for recognition, but yeah. desire is something else. So I think that is a really interesting divide. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, which we which we will get to, but which we will get um, to. Yeah. But it um it's an, it's an in, uh, important to begin. So because t- you told me some things about Kozhev uh, that um were very surprised, like he, he created the he or he masterminded the European market. That's true. Is That's true. Crazy. So so he's Russian, 
Mm-hmm. And he had the and, and he's an incredible polyglot. So he knew, I guess, Sanskrit, Chinese, Russian, German, French, English, and other things. So incredible, uh, learned figure. Mm. And he's Russian. He had the leaves, but he was a white Russian. He was uh, mm-hmm. from a wealthy family. So when the revolution was coming, he had to leave and went to and became an expat in Germany. Mm. Where he studied under Carl Jaspers, existential, you know, what became existentialist philosophy, and mm. was also influenced. Jaspers and Heidegger were close friends. He was also influenced by Heidegger at the time. And then he subsequently moves to France in the in the 1930s, early 19, I think late 1920s, early 1930s. And there in France is an interesting thing. So he was friends with another Russian emigre. Alexander Coiray, who was a very famous historian of science, and his Coiray actually also influential on Lacan. And in fact, uh, Jean-Claude Milner, if his mm. book, which was recently translated in English, it's, I think it's translated as In Search of Clarity. It's called L'Oeuvre Claire in French. Uh, that book really sees Coiray as a founding, Coiray's history of science for Milner really determines the way Lacan thinks about uh, the psychoanalytic subject as the subject of science. So, I'm sorry, that's a mm. long detour, but <laughs> but they no, were no. friends. Coiray gave a, a series of lectures at a local French uh, Bibliothèque Nationale, I think, uh, mm. uh, so the National Library, on Hegel. And then one oh. year, he was either going to be out of town or he's sick, I don't know, and he gets Kojev to replace him. And it was one of these, it's like uh, <laughs> Lou Gehrig replacing Wally Pip. So he, <laughs> he uh, sorry, if you don't know that illusion, uh, no. you should look it up because it's worth, That's, yeah. it's worth knowing. <laughs> uh, so he, so Kojev took over the lecture series for six or seven years and, and Koyre's are lost to history and Kojev's are, are, determinant of history. So that's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so, so for the thirties, he basically, and then there are all these people that came. So Lacan, Merleau-Ponty, Georges Bataille, Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, Raymond Queneau. So all the, and Queneau is the one who, uh, brought them together in a collection. And it's an, it's, a, I do want to say one thing about this. The collection mm. in French is amazing and it's about twice as long as the Alan Bloom edited collection in English. <laughs> My personal thesis is it's Alan Bloom has taken out the more radical parts because he's a conservative and interesting and, 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 and given us an expurgated Kojev. So I, I, I think I say in my book on Hegel something like if you you should definitely read the French version, even if you don't read French, you'll still be better <laughs> off. Than, <laughs> I, I'm just kidding, because I think you can get a lot of good stuff from the English. But well, anyway, isn't. Isn't that interesting though? Because I mean, we're gonna. I think I want to plant the seed for um for for later. Um, he's so the. I mean, this is this is the big thing. If you if you're listening to this, you probably know. If, even if you haven't read this, you probably know. Kojev's big thing with Hegel is to the way he talks about master slave right dialectic. Right. That's right. the big big thing. Big thing. But but what you the way that you just put it, and I've been thinking about this too, is that um it. The, it'd be easy to say like, oh, well, that was so big for, for, for France and French intellectuals. And you can see how it plays out in Lacan. You can see how it plays out in Sartre and all these things. And then we have some like more recent examples of this too. But isn't it the, 
of the, like, is, is it, is a big part of this, the American expurgation of Kojov? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Make it so primary. Yeah. 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 So that's what Bloom decided to focus on Mm -hmm. was this Mm -hmm. history of the master slave dialectic and master slave dialectic. And this is the Marxist influence on on Kojov as anthropology. So Mm. he basically turns the phenomenology into an anthropological history work. Mm. So it's a very <laughs> fascinating kind of total bastardization, but but a, a fecund one, right? Like it, produ- yeah, yeah, yeah. it produces something. But I think your point is absolutely right, that if you read the entire lectures in French, you'll see that it, Master Slave is there and it has some importance, but it's not the thing for him. So I think that that's, I mean, it's much... More, and this is something we'll talk about later. It's much more mm. this notion of desire as negation, and there's this whole discussion of suicide, and and it's mm. really mm. like suicide is the ultimate human act. Like it's what humanizes us that we can kill ourselves, which is I think it's a that seems like a pretty. I mean, you can get kind of to death drive from that. I yeah, think, yeah, in yeah. a way. So, so that seems pretty interesting. Um, so anyway, so so he 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 gives these lectures, and then. He's committed to the idea of being not just a uh, philosopher, but someone who actually is doing something in history, right? Like he thinks that Mm -hmm. the philosopher can actually direct history. And so he works for the French government as a negotiator for different things. He's an ambassador to Japan for a while. And then he actually helps to create the European common market. So he does all this amazing stuff. It's actually come out crazy. A, a few years ago that that there's some evidence that he was a spy for Stalin during the time he was working in the French government. Although, <laughs> as I said to you before, I think this is yeah. he was a kind of ironic spy. <laughs> like he he, yeah. he was passing bad information. Like he he wasn't really his, his. It's very tough to get a handle on him. Like what his actual position so he was. was a, Wait, wait. So he, you're, you're telling me, you're, you're telling me that he was like Clouseau-esque. I think uh, that no, spy. I think that's right. I think he <laughs> was like Inspector Clouseau as a spy. <laughs> but, but if it's like Clouseau knows that he's performing Clouseau, right? Like that would be the yeah, way to, right. That'd be the way to think of him. Yeah. So well, anyway, well, good Sharky, Colonel God. So, <laughs> so anyway, so that's so that and that's his his life and 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 you know, incredibly influential. And he and Lacan were friends even before the seminar. And then in the seminar, I guess, uh, our friend Juan Pablo Lucelli has uncovered mm-hmm. these these letters about Kojev and Lacan that they actually had at Lacan's house private sessions with a couple other people in addition to the seminar. So, so there was there was also this other you know, subterranean seminar going on at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... Isn't that... That's like such a... Fa- don't you think that's like a fantasy, like, of, uh, like, there's... Oh, I don't know. Like, the there's the secret... Like, of all the great movies, there's, like, secret cuts, right, that, like, people in Hollywood get to know. Like there's the like Zack Snyder... Uh, like the Snyder... Well, that was... I mean, that's... To me, that's a great example of... Um, Something didn't exist, and then the audience made it exist, made it exist. And, the, yeah. and then yeah. and then it, yeah. So yeah. it's like who? So who? Who authored that? Well, you um, know, it's funny because a friend of mine said to me, "Where's the unexpurgated 
eyes wide shut. That's what I want to yeah. say. And, you, and you know, with I think with Wells too, like I think there's this fantasy that the the real magnificent Ambersons exist somewhere. Somewhere, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So I love I love this this the uh, the philosophical version. There's there was oh yeah, yeah sure yeah I mean of course there was the there's the collected lectures but you know there was the the underground right, lectures where right. Kojev was given the the, the, the real straight stuff. dope yeah yeah exactly yeah, right yeah. right so like so that's really really fascinating. Do you, um when. Uh, Juan Pablo, not not when did he find this out, but when would this have happened? In um, so it's early in, 30s, so it's happening okay. during the during the I think 30. I can't remember the. They're published in American Imago, so people can look them okay. up. But um, they're they're they're. Um, I think it's early third, like 34, 35, something like that. But mm-hmm. it's right during the the lectures, you know. So so yeah, yeah, yeah. they were doing this. They they were doing this other lecture club at Lacan's house, so it's a really you know Juan Pablo's point is, and I think it's right, is that we've wildly underestimated the influence of Kojev on Lacan, like his, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, he really, which we'll talk about. I think we're going to save this discussion for the end, but I think he yeah. he really he really was a shaping figure for for him. Yeah, it's um, I mean, it's fascinating to uh like even just like it's it's so early on in the um the the title of the uh of the bastardized bloom copy that i have looking at me right now is the introduction to the reading of hegel uh and it's just early on in that um koja brings uh speech into uh being like this this like this most important right uh right. aspect of 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 hegel and of self-consciousness right the speaking eye and you can just like it's a hop, skip, and a jump, jump to like uh, what Lacan works through with the signifier and and full speech and like what he how he brings that to bear on analysis and then his own, yeah it's um it's right. really it's 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 fascinating. What if it's not so sore as much as it is Kojev? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty great. You know, I it, think that that's it, that the, makes yeah that makes uh, yeah no I'm sorry I'm sorry to, to do sports radio with you to to, to talk over you of, but. It just that makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense because he because Sashore is more the a, a a named point of departure uh, often right. right I mean and you even have the later stuff where where he he writes the um in uh, in there's that lecture in seminar twenty that I know this that these are all Miller's titles but like two Jakobson right. is the you know is one of them so Roman Jakobson um and it's. It's like uh, I think that that's no, I hadn't thought about that before. But like, there is a lot of focus that goes on uh, Lacan in conversation with uh, Sachour and structural linguistics and his like kind of like departure and twist on it. But it's like, is he putting Kojev into structural linguistics and and just like seeing what comes out? I know, I know. So right. So Milan Dallar says, every time you read the name Hegel and Lacan, you should substitute Kojev. But, ah, that's pretty good. But what if what yeah. if we could say after what you're saying, every time yeah. you read the tame Saussure yeah. in Lacan, you could substitute Kojev. I think there's something yeah. to that. I also think, you know, uh, it's 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 interesting because he doesn't mention mm. Kojev almost at all. And I, I no, to, no. I, yeah. I mean, maybe not. I, he has to sometime, but I can't. It must be somewhere. I but. really can't off the top of my head, remember, and I would have been looking out for it. But that you seems know, to me to suggest the enormity of the influence, right? Exactly. If an influence is too yes. enormous, you can't quote it. That's, um, 
Foucault has that great line about um, Heidegger. He's asked in an interview about um, someone says that he that they the interviewer says that that they can see Heidegger all in his work, but he's never mentioned. And that's Foucault's response. He says some influences are too great to name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know, I know. Uh, it's funny because I had a I had an essay in some collection on Lacan and whatever. And I had zero quotations from Lacan. And the person's like, wait a minute, how is this an essay? And I'm like, look, there, you know, it's influenced, right? Like it's, and I think that's right. Like I think that yeah. that, but I also think there's a kind of Harold Bloomian anxiety of influence, right? Like yeah. I think yeah. Lacan was very cognizant of the fact that he was basically taking Kojev's ideas. You know, do you you know this beautiful line from uh, from Augustine about Augustine's trying to make uh, the work of the Platonists work with um, uh, Christian doctrine, and he says the um, the word in the work I think in the work of the Platonists uh, the the word of God is everywhere implied. Oh so, yeah, this, this nice nice yeah that's so great that's great yeah. Yeah, I was so just reading Augustine the other day. This is a total tangent, but uh, <laughs> and, and I, I came across this notion of the unruly member, which is how he refers to erection, <laughs> 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 and that you know that he thought in paradise we could the member was ruly, like you could you could determine it. So, so that's you sure part- that wasn't in Austin Powers. I no no no. I swear to God, it was Augustine. I swear to God, I told I told my boys that I'm like next time you're talking, you're you're in a conversation. Say sorry, it's just the unruly member. I can't do anything about it. God, it's probably That's not a funny. good thing actually to to bring. It up. <laughs> yeah, don't bring it up. That's a <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in paradise, wouldn't we be able to anyway, etc. That's, that's right. That's no, that's the yeah. idea, right? That, that in paradise, you'd be able to control. Um, uh, <laughs> it's funny because I was just watching the very very underrated film. Uh, Adventureland with Jesse Eisenberg oh, yeah. and Kristen Stewart, and 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 at two points he has an erect. <laughs> Once he goes swimming with her, and mm-hmm. no one else does, and he's a party, and he has to get out of the pool. But he's like, I, I'm good here. I'm good. He doesn't want to get. <laughs> and the other time he meets her dad, and he's been kissing her on the couch, and he stands up and he holds a pillow over his waist, <laughs> and her dad's like, What What are you doing, man? So I thought uh, that, you know what I've always thought? I've always, you know how these kids now wear, uh, I sound like I'm 90. Uh, these kids now wear uh, sweatpants all the time or athletic pants. Oh, yeah, these uh, these these dang zennials and their technologies yeah. and their sweatpants. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and my question is, like, when you're wearing jeans, it's much easier to, like, cover that when it occurs, but... In you know what? I'm going to lean into I'm, Todd. I'm going to lean into this uh, this uh, this tangent. There, do you, do you ever, have you ever gone to Henry Street Deli in Burlington? No. Oh yeah yeah no. yeah yeah the hen, yeah. the 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 diner. The, no 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 no. That's Henry's diner. Oh no, then I'm never gone. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Well, Henry Street Deli uh, is great. It had there was a fire and they rebuilt it. I haven't. Been, that was after I left. But I remember buying uh, like the, they had the, this like uh, Chipotle Greek chicken sandwich just so freaking good i am sorry for everyone listening to this but it is uh, just to go to the the point of the of, of what todd just brought up but i was listening to one of the guys work there who was just saying that he was with a friend of his who and his friend just wanted to go to a strip club and he was like all right i'll go and but that wasn't their plan so the dude was just wearing sweatpants oh and he said he walked in and 
one of the dancers there saw him and said, sweatpants, that's a bold play. <laughs> and he got, he got like a free drink or something because of that. So that was a, yeah. So, I, so anyway, to your, to your point. That is pretty funny, which yeah. actually connects as I planned it to. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, to the notion of desire in, yeah, in Kojev, yeah. right? Like <laughs> nicely done. <laughs> so, so the point, and I think this is interesting, right? Like his main, I think it gets exaggerated, the English version, but it mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. still true that he takes desire as the central Hegelian contribution and yes. he sees it master, manifest, sorry, manifesting itself <laughs> in the master-slave dialectic, right? So mm-hmm. that's the big, that's the, the big Kojevian matrix and is the big mm-hmm. contribution What's interesting too is that he sees desire as what separates human from animal. And this is a, it's interesting yeah. because, and this is something that I don't think Hegel ever concerns himself with. He never concerns himself with how do you, as a human being, ex, you know, make sure that you're not an animal. But mm-hmm. for Kojev, that's a real concern. And it's the, the master slave struggle. And by the way, you've said this before, we owe those terms, master and slave, yeah. to Kojev, to not, Kojev. not yep. to Hegel, right? So it's mm-hmm. for Hegel, it's hair and connect, so something like lord and, and servant. Um, yeah. so, Which, again, and this, we're, this we would be saving more for, for the, uh, the legacy portion of this conversation, but um, it, it's an awkward fit because uh, slavery is a system, Right. And, right. and and that it's is not a one on one relation involving desire, right? Like, yes, yeah. exactly. And that that's the like for as much as like Kojev gets right about this about recognition, which I said earlier, his notion of desire is desire of the other. What I like the desire of the other is if it's it's recognition. Like you you said that right after. Like that's yeah. that's what he places there. Like right. in the other, it's it, what what desire is is, is recognition. I want to be recognized by the other. That's what it exactly. is. Exactly. Which he yeah. gets from master slave dialectic, right? Like that's mm-hmm, what the, mm-hmm. both those two subjects are seeking recognition in the other. The the what's interesting for him is the slave doesn't get it, the master gets it, but then it's mm-hmm. it's a worthless recognition. Right. Because it comes from the Because you've debased and dehumanized that person. Right. So they're not on the level of a human being. And that's, so that's, again, Mm -hmm. this distinction between human and animal that the slave for him doesn't initially rate as a human being. So it's interesting. I I listened to a podcast in in French and it was on Hegel and, and slavery servitude or esclavage, I think it was actually on slavery, like does Hegel justify slavery, which is an absurd even title for a show. And 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 the the Hegelian that they had on, I, I used Hegelian in quotation marks, um, <laughs> the Hegelian that they had on there, I think I'm not going to mention his name just because yeah. why should I? Um, mm-hmm. I should even give him the credit of, why well, was even on the radio. Um, his, his claim, he's a French guy, his claim was... Why should he even be French? <laughs> His claim was that the, the most important thing for Hegel is how we distinguish ourselves from animals through this struggle for recognition. And like that is purely, purely mm-hmm. a, Hegel, mm-hmm. a, a Kojevian reading of Hegel. Like that is not a, 
That's a, in fact, through I would the even American say edit. A, I want to underline through the American through edit. Through the American edit, right? I would yeah. even say that's not even a Kojevian reading of Hegel. That's a Kojevian mm-hmm. philosophical idea, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. It just has no bearing, really. And then he says this interesting thing. He says, and this is how the Marxism fits in. And so he fits in Heidegger and Marx, and we'll talk about how in in a bit. Mm-hmm. But so he fits in. Marx, because he thinks of, and this is why it's a historical anthropology, he thinks of all human history as unfolding this master-slave struggle with each other, this struggle for recognition. And every time someone gets in the position of master, they get. he has this great line, I think it's in the English, where he says, mastery is an existential impasse. Mm. And, and I thought, I, that, nice. I, that seems like such a great... I think, and I think that is true to Hegel, but, mm-hmm. but, and so his idea is that the slave is actually the motor of history. And, and he sees the slave like in the figure of the proletariat, in mm-hmm. the figure of the slaves revolting in Haiti, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that, the slave, and, and his idea is that, and this is a kind of from, I think it is from Hegel. So his idea is that, the slave experiences what he calls absolute dread, right? Like that's why the slave mm-hmm. agrees to work as a slave rather than continue this fight to the death and die. Which again works when it's not a system. Right. Exactly. 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 And, and, yeah. and, and again, for Hegel, it's not how things actually happened. What Hegel, no, no, what no, Hegel's no. trying to understand is how we know, what how what kind of authority for truth we can have in our ways of being and thinking, right? So so <laughs> it's like and how we can understand the truth of our experience. So this is just part of that movement. And it's mm-hmm. not like the key to understanding history in any way, like it is mm-hmm. for Kojev. That said, I mean I think that he's he his his idea is that you so first the slave experiences this absolute dread and then the slave starts to work and working is a way to turn that dread into productivity and so that's how he sees the slave as actually being the driving force of history because the slave has turned dread that the master doesn't experience because the master just you know risks death and doesn't have this dread of of annihilation that, that the slave is the driving force of history. And so that's where the Marxism fits in, right? So the, the, the underclass is always, for Kojev, this driving force that's moving history forward. And you can even see Derrida a little bit here, right. and like on the supplement. Yeah, the, like, yeah, you yeah. Know, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. Derrida and Foucault, even though they were not his direct students. The thing is, they were students of this guy, Jean Hippolyte, and mm-hmm. Hippolyte knew Kojev well and has a reading not far from his about Hegel. So so it's interesting. I think you're right that even, I mean, like, and, and of course, Deleuze's rejection of Hegel mm-hmm. is a rejection of Kojev. Kojev, yeah. So, mm-hmm. and, 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 and all the other figures, like Negri and Hard and all this, everyone who's rejecting Hegel is rejecting this Kojevian Hegel. So that's, yeah, it's, I think it's, there's a, like, that's concretized in a line. I, I, I don't know. I, I, we must have brought it up in one of, in the, Dele, the second Deleuze episode, but he, 
or me or, or possibly not, but like Deleuze has this line. It's, I don't know, like 40 pages in, he says that contradiction is not much of a problem for Hegel period, which is insane. <laughs> if you read Hegel the way that, that we read Hegel, but if it's not, if you, what you're rejecting is Kozhev, right? Because Ko- Kozhev's understanding of the dialectic is not about, uh, like contradiction. It, no, it's, it's no, and, and this, it's about and, and struggle, right? So that's yeah, that's yeah. what's interesting, right? Like, and it's about overcoming struggle. Yes, ex- yeah, overcoming. It's. I mean, that's even in the early pages, like over, like a dialectic of overcoming, overcoming. and that's not. Yeah, and that's not. Um, I do, like that's not how it's not how you read Hegel. It's not how Slavoj reads Hegel. It's not how Catherine Malibu reads Hegel. It's, you know, it's 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 not. Um, I mean, Pinkard is it Pinkard even? Yeah, even Pinkard doesn't read Hegel that way, yeah. right? So even right, even the bad guys like Pippin and Pippin, Adrian, of course, but Adrian Johnston, but um, but even like Pippin and the the liberals like Pippin and Brandom, they don't really even they who I would say what's interesting is they outweigh the importance of the master slave dialectic themselves, mm-hmm. um, but even they don't. Yeah, Brandom for sure. Brandom for sure, right? Because it's all about ultimately mutual recognition. Like anytime mm-hmm. someone says the point of Hegel's philosophy is mutual recognition, you know that they're first, you know, they're wrong. Secondly, <laughs> sorry, that was very uh, dogmatic. But, um, but the second thing you know is that they've inflated the value of, of the master slave dialectic, which mm-hmm. I, it's ironic because it ends with the impossibility of mutual recognition. Right. right. So right, I, I right. never understood that quite right. Like, like well, it's it's also in the middle. Like I mean, as we as we got to as in our in our series that like like Hegel very in the phenomenology of spirit, he's building this thing of how you see spirit emerge, and so each you know section and chapter you're getting you're getting closer to to right. spirit. So to put to put spirit like the like it's in the title, like to put the most important uh, idea in the middle of that trajectory means to have decided to like read him wrongly. Like, and, and it's not, I, I, I don't think it's, it's right. It's not a surprise no. that what, what you get from that is uh, like, Oh, how, like, you know, you can just, I mean, even if you, if you haven't read the, the criticism, you can just sort of imagine it. Like, how can he talk about the slave like this? Like he's just ignoring like this, like widespread system. Like there's no, like there's no subjectivity in that. Like, and, and lo- like, like ontologically this doesn't make sense. And it's like, yeah, I mean, hey, I think he would agree with all of that because it's not, that's not where he doesn't, he doesn't position it that way. And that's like, just to hook this into our last episode, that's like where, where you put the quilting point is you know like do do not be uh uh do not be capricious about where you put the quilting point right uh, right be, because it can have these kinds of it can have these kinds of effects and i think i don't think that kozhev is doing it capriciously i think he genuinely thinks this explains everything it explains everything right yeah, i think that's and, right and and yeah and then like that that the 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 secret to hegel is, is is in the middle it's not at the end but i mean that's that's like that's a that's kozhev that's not hegel but right. i mean since kozhev has um I don't know, like like he's he's not read as much or even read about as much. I don't think. No, and, uh, I mean his yeah. his he's like a blank page in the history of the twentieth century thought, and and that's mm. just it's shocking to me. And I think it really, I think it's 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 largely responsible for Hegel's ignominy, right? Like I think mm. because this position gets associated with Hegel, 
then right not with koshev which is right. which I, right. when we keep saying it maybe it sounds like we're saying the same thing but it's like it's really really it's important to to underline like like this this becomes like well how does hegel justify blank and it and it ends up like the question is coming from this koshevian perspective right it's and it's and of like of course like hegel doesn't have the answer to to the consequences of playing out master slave as the whole point of his method. Like he, he, he can't answer that because he doesn't do that. Like it's, it's yeah. Right. I, right. I, I, yeah, right, I, I find right. it, it, it's, it's really interesting. It produced, I mean, it's like, it's one of these things that like, I mean, to, to not to be too meta about it. Like, I mean, like if you put, you put the dialectic at, to work between Kojev and, and Hegel, like a like a like a strict reading, like I mean, I think that's incredibly generative for understanding Hegel. Yeah. But if you just but if you just leave it to Kojev to be the the, the guiding light, I think it it, it takes you um, it it and it, and it enlarges an importance that does not bear out in the text of Hegel itself. Right. I mean, I think you just ha- I almost am convinced that you have to think of Kojev as an independent thinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that's like right. he's just doing right. something else. The problem is, of course, the title of the work yeah. and the, you know, of course, it's interesting because it's a work put together by Raymond K. No, who's not by Kojev, right? Like he didn't, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he just gave it as lectures and then people were so impressed that they wanted to, they wanted to put it out. But I think that your point is just absolutely right that you got to, you can't really think of it as a Hegelian idea. I mean, it's more... I think it's much closer to say it's a Lacanian philosophy. Yeah. Like like this idea, like he says, human history, this is Kojav, I'm quoting him, is the history yeah. of desires desired. Well, that, yeah. like Lacan could have easily said that, right? Like they're, yeah, they're, yeah. it's just, it's incredible. Like it, it's, it's, you know, so I think that that's, that's a key thing. And then the other thing that I, I mean, there's so much stuff about his thought to talk about. But the other thing to say is that you mentioned dialectic. He doesn't think, this is the thing I think <laughs> yeah. is so funny, he doesn't think Hegel is a dialectical thinker. He thinks Hegel right, right. is the first non-dialectical thinker. He even calls Hegel an empiricist realist, So, mm-hmm. which is not in the, I don't think that's in the English. So it's interesting that that's left out. But I mean... Mm-hmm. Because his idea is that Hegel is seeing the dialectic within all the other thinkers, but then because he comes at the end, he's able to just realistically look at these other figures caught up in a dialectic, but he himself is not caught up in it. So we also owe Kojev this idea that Hegel thinks he's the end of all knowledge and has got everything figured out, and all he has to do is just recount this history that's already played itself out that he can diagnose. And so mm. so I think the image of Hegel as this thinker on high who then, you know, looks down on the rest of the history of philosophy is is a Kojevian image of Hegel. So that's, you know, I think that's a problem too. Like, I think we would both say that, no, Hegel really is the inventor of modern dialectical thought. I mean, obviously Plato is a it, it invents dialectic in a different way, but and, mm-hmm. and and it's there in Kant, but only in a negative way, right? So Hegel is right, the right. first to see dialectic as a as as productive and, and 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 the notion that oh all he's doing is 
The problem is that for Kojev, dialectic means, it doesn't mean grasping contradiction. It means no. looking at this movement of overcoming, right? Like that's yeah. the thing, yeah. I think. And that's Well, and so that's, I think it's so fascinating because it's like, because um, he's halfway there, isn't he? Yeah. Because he, yes. he, he's right that the dialectic for Hegel is not about overcoming. It, because it, it, it's like, like that idea is like, uh, I, I don't know. Like that's like, that's like very, that's like very free market actually. Like that is very capitalistic and like, and that's not, uh, the, I don't know. Hegel's not really talking about it in those, those, in, in those terms, but like the, it's not identifying, um, contradiction, which, um, I, you know, I have half a mind that, that we should do another episode on, on the preface because I just think that's clear right from the beginning right, of, of right. phenomenology of spirit that like, that it's, it's contradiction. It's contradiction is, you know, understood as this like immovable, uh, uh, stumbling block, you right. know, this, the, right. uh, uh, um, what Lacan would call, you know, the, the, the deadlock of symbolization, right? Right. Or, or, right. Um, so right. like, uh, um, and so, Ko- so it's really funny. It's like Kojov is, is, is correct. He, his, his dialectic is not about overcoming, but that doesn't make him non-dialectical. No, no, no. <laughs> no if, I think Kojov thinks it is about overcoming. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That's, yeah, that's, I'm, 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 that's, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to say that like, like what he, he, he sees that, uh, that Hegel isn't doing what other people are doing, oh, but right, he's right, not, right. he's not, yeah, he's not attributing to Hegel, like what's like at the at the core of that, right, like, right, exactly. Logical I think, intervention, right, yeah. right, Ryan. I think that's exactly right. That yeah. that he is correct to see that there's something different, yes, in what Hegel's doing vis-a-vis these other thinkers. Mm-hmm. But he just he gets it almost 180 degrees wrong. I think right, yeah. like he just yeah. really he 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 really misses that one. And I, I so I think that's a to me that. To, that sort of typifies. I mean, the the inflation of master slave, the calling it master slave, is like problem <laughs> one. one. I mean, yeah, right. And then this notion of Hegel as a non dialectical thinker who stands at the end of history. So that's the other thing. So Kojev was really, really important for this end of history idea. So, mm-hmm. so the way in which that notion of the end of history became common in the, toward the end of the twentieth century, like that is really, again, not Hegel. It's Kojevian, a kind yeah. of Kojevian version. And it's funny because Kojev first thought, he has the different ideas of when history ends. So his first idea mm-hmm. is it ends with Napoleon. So Napoleon, mm-hmm. Kojev calls him the second Christ, which is, I don't know how he could get to that. Um, <laughs> but but he really takes a, takes a lot from Hegel's statement where he says, I saw the world spirit marching through Jena, right? Like that. Yeah, yeah. When he saw Napoleon, on, I saw the world spirit on horseback. Um, so that's important for him. And then and then he says, no, 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 no. It's actually, uh, it's actually uh, Stalin who's the end of history, right? Mm-hmm. So that's his second version. Uh, and then things, you know, go south with Stalin. And... Uh, <laughs> And and then and then he's like, yeah, you know, it's America. It's America. It's a consumer society. It's a society totally based on consumption because consumption is the victory of the slave, he thought. So that's the final victory of the slave, and then the master slave dialectic's over, which is the engine 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 of history that's over. And then he he's ambassador to Japan in Japan for a couple of years, and he's like, 
for some reason, these French guys go to Japan and they become total Orientalists. Um, Roland Bard, I was thinking of. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, uh, but he, he gets to Japan and he goes, no, 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 it's Japanese snobbery that's really the end point of history. So if you look in the French version of the of the text, you get all these footnotes about, oh, wait, uh, uh, he changed his mind on this, he changed his mind on this. So, uh, so you know, so that, that notion, though, that history comes to an end, and then, and then he thinks... I mean, Fukuyama is the, I mean, that's... Well, right, I mean, right, it's Fukuyama. Yeah, yeah. It's Fukuyama who's the main figure that, that really takes that up, that liberal democracy mm-hmm. is, he just chooses something different, right? It's the end yeah, of right, history. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then he says that Hegel was able to, and this is part of this dialectic thing, getting out of dialectic. Hegel was mm-hmm. able to move from philosophy to wisdom. So mm-hmm. he's able to, so Hegel was the first, what he calls wise man, because he now has incorporated all philosophical speculation into his position, so he no longer has to engage in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, well... At this point, I would like to let us not, uh, wait, what is it at the end of Now Voyager? Let us not ask for the... Yeah, let's not ask for the moon where we have the stars. We have the stars. stars. Well, let's, let's, let's not, let's not go, let's not go after that, after the, after the moon. Let's talk about the stars. Let's not also enlarge in our discussion the, uh, the the importance of master. I know it's hard because of the, 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 what Bloom uh, does in the edited text, but let's talk about um, the introduction to the reading of Hegel, as it's called in English, and what he gets to in uh, reading things outside of the uh, Lord and Bondsman uh, uh, section. The concept is time, and I, I think there's some sense to that. You know, like there's some, I'm not sure that I think it's right, but there, the sense of it is, is that for Hegel, the concept has to include difference. And that, you know, that's, I think, mm-hmm. the, key, the key movement for Hegel, and okay. that's, I think, why Kojev wants to say the time mm. that that the concept is time like he just says that straight out the concept is time okay so i'm i'm thinking back to um episodes past and i remember um when uh when you had uh had slavoy in your kitchen and one of the things that you were talking about with hegel um and is a, a little bit of a i don't know if it's a problem but something that that, that might like that trips people up is that he doesn't clearly uh, like distinguish or delineate like hit like the vocabulary that he uses that's shared with other philosophers. So even so, so words like concept, I think, or notion, right. they have right. a Hegelian. If you you know read the phenomenology of spirit the way that we do, but they 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 have a Hegelian uh, specificity to them. But it's it's hard. So do you think? So do you think that that Kojev is 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 onto this, and he just like he maybe gets it like, like he maybe gets it like slightly wrong, or like or or what's your what's your evaluation? Yeah, I think he does get it. That's a great point, actually, because I think, you know, if if for Hegel the concept is not just identity, but the identity of identity and difference, mm-hmm. you know, that the concept and and that's what happens in time, right? Like time, as it's moving things change, things become different. So mm-hmm. it's his way, I think that, and, and, and your point is really good, that Hegel is constantly taking terms and saying, well, 
I don't want to redefine them, but I want to mm-hmm. say what we mean by this is something yes. different when we use the term, yeah. right? Like, it's not like I'm just going to ad hoc invent a new definition. It's that I'm going to show how the, what we mean by it is actually different when we're using mm-hmm. it. And I, and, and, and I think that's what he, he does with concept. You know, it's interesting because, you know, the copula, the, 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 like the, just the is, yeah. like something is something mm-hmm. else. This is an immense critique of Hegel. Like he'll say, you know, uh, Socrates is mortal, for mm-hmm. instance, mm-hmm. right? And, and he'll say, well, the copula there includes difference. Mm. It's both identity and difference. Mm-hmm. And Russell came along and said, you know, Hegel makes this fundamental error that, of course, it, that there's two different, for, for Russell, there's two different uses of the copula. There's predication, mm-hmm. which is what that sentence example is an example of. So mortal is a predicate of Socrates. And, of course, there's difference in predication, but there's another use of the copula, which is just identity. And, and, and Russell's example is Walter Scott is the author of Waverly, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and he's like, there's no difference there. Like, those two are just the same. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that a lot of Hegel scholars have gotten into really, they've, they've got kind of tied in knots over how to respond to this problem. And Robert Pippin has an ingenious solution. His solution, and you probably would anticipate this, is to say every predication relies on a prior identity. So nice. there's no such thing as like a pure, a pure first predication. But every there has to be this identity always involved in every predication. But my point is actually that for Hegel, there that every statement of identity actually involves some predication. Mm-hmm. Like, if I say Scott is the author of Waverly, the predication there is all the other people that wrote books and that allow me to understand what that Waverly is a mm-hmm. book, et cetera. You know, yeah, like, yeah. there's all kinds of difference, even though it seems like it's just a normal statement of identity. It's just plucked out of a, an there, immense system, right? Like, yeah. Right, yeah. right, exactly. So it's like, again, this link between Hegel and something like structuralism, I think. So I think that that, I think that that is one way in which you can see that Kojev is making some sense with this, the concept is time, right? Like that, like, because time is the, this introduction of difference Mm. into the identity because, you know, nothing stays like, even if you don't, even if I'm just lying on the bed sick, Mm. I still, which is my state, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, even if I'm just lying on the bed stick, I'm still my body is constantly changing. I'm breathing, so the molecules in my lungs are changing, right? right? Like the even the cells on the edge of my body are I'm, I'm losing and gaining them. So, so for Hegel, like there's no such thing as some identity over time. Like identity over time always includes difference. That's why he loves Heraclitus and it's so just, much, right? It, the, that's mm-hmm. right. That's why he loves Heraclitus. Mm-hmm. Right, right, No, right. No it's interesting that... the same river twice, just to, to, to remind, remind people. Right, but, but do you know that there's another fragment of Heraclitus that says, no person steps in the river, same river twice, and everyone steps in the same river twice. Like he, yeah, that's he, nice. He, he actually <laughs> includes the contradiction within the... Did Hegel know um, that? Because he'd have loved it. <laughs> He did know that. Yeah, he did yeah. know that. And and, and, and it's interesting because I think the first is you could read as Delusian and the second 
is Hegelian, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you have to have the identity in order to constitute the difference. Mm-hmm. Whereas for Deleuze, there's just this pure difference. Right, right, right. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really like that. I think it's a kind of nice, but, but yeah, so it's interesting that modern, this is another case. We talked about this in the Hegel reason episode. It's another case where modern biology understanding of the body confirms what Hegel thought at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like he didn't, he didn't know that our bodies were constantly shedding cells, mm-hmm. right? He didn't, he had no idea about that. But, mm. you know, he, he, he thought that, that, that over time, any amount of time, there's, there's some kind of change that takes this place. Is what, and that's what Kojev is getting. That's really at. interesting um, to, for you to bring in biology like that to this, because I think this is the core of, like, this is what Catherine Mal- Malibu, who obviously one of the, one of the great uh, Hegelians, right? Um, the, she, her work with, um, People specifically who have uh, traumatic brain injuries. Uh, so she's worked work with um, you know people who are in the um, Iraq or Afghanistan war, um, and the what happens to this is I think in her her book that's like a long that's like a long essay like the ontology of the accident, which is yeah. like um, where she's talking about like it, it's Hegel and plasticity, and she's talking about the brain. Um, and I to me I think that it's a it's a a, a nice work of. Um, of uh, disability studies, even though I don't think she would call it that. But be, but her, her core point is that looking at people who have TBI, um, what happens in the brain is exactly, it, it's, it's, it's I, I don't know if she would say exactly, I'm not sure if my, my scientific language will be exact, but it is roughly analogous to what happens to the brain when people age. So, right. the, so her right. point, and this is where, and she doesn't, well, I, I'll put this, no, I'll, I'll take ownership for this. This is my point. For, for for that work is, is she didn't put this twist on it is that where I think this this constitutes a kind of like uh, disability studies or disability theories is that like if you thought of disability as not an aberration or as a, as an exception but rather is an inevitability like you she even does have this line that like we will you we will all become uh, disabled I think she made, that's maybe the way that she phrases right, it right. it's like th- right. that's where this goes so if you if you arrange, if, if you if that's just the way that you think about the about society proper, then that's just a it's a like what what a flip that is not to look at this that's this sort of phenomena as a, as an exception but as a, as an inevitability. Anyway, that's another. I mean, I think that's another contemporary example of yeah someone yeah using it's a great Hegel, example yeah Hegel yeah. and and like and uh, and you know current science and and taking and and just like playing these concepts out um, and and talking about like you know again like the body and and society and all, and all these things i think it's like it's a, it's a really really nice connection yeah i mean i think he uses the term plasticity once or twice mm-hmm. in the phenomenology <laughs> and then she kind of well that's all goes hers to town yeah. with it yeah. yeah but it's great i mean it, and i think you're right to say that if she wasn't hegelian she wouldn't have made plasticity her central mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right like that i think that that's right like and i think kojev that's one thing that he, I think this is a point we've been kind of critical of him, but I think this is a point he really gets right, that this this change over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, I, the, the only thing I would say is a kind of a caveat is that I think for Hegel, a thing is, cha- a thing is not itself even outside of time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like that, that it, that, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's, it seems silly to think of a thing outside of time because everything is temporal, but I think his idea is that 
even considering a thing as an idea, so eternally, not temporally, mm-hmm. you couldn't even consider it as whole or not, you know, constantly undermining itself mm-hmm. in some way or contradictory, I guess, to, to put it in more of my language. So, <laughs> so I think that that, but, but I think I, you know, he even, he, Hegel even says the concept is time. So I think that's right. And I do think that it is a major shift from what people thought before, because, you know, Leibniz who comes, you know, roughly a hundred years before Hegel is thinks a equals a mm-hmm. right like the concept is identity and so Hegel's really putting a wrench in that it is what it is right that's the that's right that's right it's the Leibniz is Bill Belichick <laughs> of the uh, philosophical tradition and you can get yeah. pretty far yeah. being Bill Belichick um I want to um, just put a little 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 tweaky tweaky twist on this um yeah what's the what do we gain by thinking about um Hegel and the concept as time rather than history, because I think that there's, I think there's something here that's important. Obviously, I think it's hard right. to, th- I, I, it's obviously Hegel, it's hard to think about him outside of history, even though people make that, as we talked about earlier, like, like the end of history becomes this, like this, like that becomes like a destination in, in, in right. Hegel's thinking that I don't think is proper to Hegel as such. It's, it's more other people, um, it's more cohesive. It's more I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking the yeah, <laughs> the method yeah, of putting yeah, the yeah. important thing in master yeah. slave. So anyway, what do we gain though? Even by like perhaps even reading against Kojev and, and making the the Kojevian reading being about time rather than hate than history. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's it's a fascinating point because you know so many people think Hegel's the philosopher who introduced history into philosophy, mm-hmm. and I think to think of it in time about time instead of history it does it does do something that's a real little strange it renders him more proximate to heidegger mm-hmm. and to you know and to levinas and to sartre and to those other phenomenological figures for whom history doesn't really matter but time does mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like that's that's true for them so that's that's one interesting thing and i i think we'll talk about that in a minute but that's true of kojev too like yeah. he wants to make him proximate to those to those figures, but I, I also think that it 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 properly minimizes the importance of the philosophy of history, which mm. is just has this wildly inflated importance mm. in terms of understanding Hegel. I mean, I know a lot of people who that's the only book from Hegel that they know. And even I've had people email me and say, Well, I've got I've got, you know, I've got the phenomenology here. I've got Reason in History, which is not even a book that he wrote. Reason in History is just the introduction to the philosophy of history. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not a book he wrote. Um, so I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can read that if you want, but my view is that should be read at the very end. Mm-hmm. So I think his, I don't know that he is so much a philosopher of history. And then that way, I think you're, you're right. Like, I don't think he cares so much mm. about history because I think I think there's a real way in which he's an I that's a bad word I guess an ahistorical mm. philosopher right like I think he he's concerned with the way in the here and now the the contradiction emerges and not about the historical trajectory of solving it. Mm. So I, I, I really think, I think I really like what you're saying that this, 
taking the emphasis off of history, I think, allows us to understand Hegel better. I think that's... Yeah. I, I, think I, that, I would say that. Do you, I don't know. What no, do you think I think No, that? I think so, too. I mean, I even think... Um, well, I mean, I, th- I guess um, I... Well, okay. A couple of reasons why um, it's attractive to me as a as a reading is is one I like it as um, this this uh, dimension in Kozhev's reading that even challenges challenges his own assertions. So I like so I like that right because he's he's all about this historical narrative yeah. that involves the really the un the unfolding of the master slave dialectic throughout all of history. Right. 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 Like that's Kozhev's basic anthropology of based on Hegel quote unquote. Yeah, but to but to emphasize what Kojev even says about time and Hegel, like I think it challenges that. Which which I like. I think that's productive. Um as to 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 you know that's you know what that is? That's finding contradiction, right? Like that's like Right, right. I think that's that, right. And that's why it's more attractive to me that that than the hist like the historical account I, I I think you can read the notion of contradiction into it, but you have to have already read the logic. Mm-hmm. I real, I'm firmly convinced of this that if you don't read the logic, you can't understand the philosophy of history. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 everybody that was there in the lectures had read the logic. So, you know, it's just it's just a strange thing that that became the book from Hegel. Yeah, and of course, it has the worst things about. Africa and you know all yeah that, that, bu- when, that Buck Morris uh, cover really covers really nicely right when, 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 in, in terms of the phenomenology what he says about race is really pretty good mm-hmm. so you know so it's a it, it's just unfortunate that that's I think the that that becomes the stand-in for 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 Hegel's thought I even think to wrest it away from from history and to make it um time i think it uh it solves i'm always on about this um it it, it i think it it um it gets at the owl of minerva problem yeah 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 you know yeah, because yeah. if if yeah. your emphasis and and for people who might not have the, the the line on on lockdown uh exactly um it's in um it's in the logic right the owl of, no it's in oh, the sorry. preface to the philosophy of right oh okay sorry sorry, sorry. thank you so much um that the owl of minerva uh, only takes flight at the at the coming of dusk. Is that the the? the, the That's exactly, exactly it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, and the idea is that um, the philosopher. We've talked about this before, but to refresh everybody, the philosopher comes too late. You know, you, 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 that that that's how a lot of people take it. That you, if, right. that his, right. which is of course better than coming too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done to pull it back to uh, earlier uh, topics. Uh, so um, <laughs> the. So, no, no, no. <laughs> I was trying to think of a. I've been, I've been, I've been racking my brain as brain as I've been lying down, thinking, trying to think of a Kojev joke, and that, that's the best. That's the best you could come up with. Come up with. That's yeah. pretty good. That's a, um, well, that although that is the same as um, although that is what you say in the comedy book, right? You don't, you want to be too, you want to be, you want to be too soon. Yeah, you want to be yeah, too soon. Yeah. Fl- you don't want to be too yeah. better too soon than too yes. late in the comedy yep, book. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So. The idea that so let's hear some nine eleven jokes. From people. <laughs> yeah, in, in the problem that the nine eleven jo- the nine eleven jokes are no good now, right? Isn't that the? I think that's the thing. Right, is now it's, it's too now late. It's too la- right? Now, like, now it's yeah, too late. But too the, late. on the owl on the owl of Minerva, why I think time helps to solve this problem is that like if if the idea uh, is that again 
his, that uh, f- uh, philosophy comes too late to like history plays itself out and then you can understand how we got there. Um, right. That seems, it seems hard to argue if you, if the, if the word is history, it seems hard to argue against that. I think like, like that history does have to play out a little bit, but if the word is right. time, I think it's, uh, I, I think you are in a dimension that, um, allows um, concept, for example, to to um, exist not like strapped to like a like a um, I don't know like a like a like a rugged um, actuality. I think that that I think so. I think that helps. I think if so, it, it you mean it helps the problem of the owl of Minerva? Yes, that's what that interesting. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, that is interesting. So that so that if you're thinking of time or temporality. Yes. You're always like history has to be over before you can render a judgment on it. Right. But time, you're always rendering a judgment while yes. you're within it. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it, you know, it's interesting because I think that's, I think this emphasis on time, I, I, I hinted at this before, is really why Kojev makes this incredible claim. And I have to say that when I first read Kojev, I, I admittedly, I was an idiot in graduate <laughs> school. But I thought, I was convinced totally that Hegel and Heidegger were, were, were just doing the exact same mm. thing. Interesting. Like, and, 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 and part of it was this emphasis on time, you know, because for Heidegger, I mean, at least in the beginning of, begin, of being in time, before he, there's a little bit on history in the end, which is the Nazi part. Mm. Um, it's really true. Like the, the first 320 pages are like really good about like individual Dasein mm. and it's, and it's being toward death and the problem of conformity. And it's, it's, it's really, it's a phenomenal book, really. And then, like, the end is all <laughs> about, like, the historical will-to-will yeah. of the people, yeah. you know? And you're like, wait a minute, this seems a little like it doesn't fit. Interesting. Um, so, like, the problem becomes history and not time. Right, and so it changes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I, I think that, I think that the, the you know, the... The earlier Heidegger, or at least the earlier Heidegger in being in time, mm-hmm. I think that that Kojev was really. Dra- I mean, he was a teacher of his, mm-hmm. right? And so he was really drawn to that mm-hmm. as a way to think of Hegel, and 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 he ties to that. You know, for Heidegger, obviously, this Sein zum Tod, being towards death, like that really is the that's the position that sets you free, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like Heidegger, he even it's amazing because in his later once he has this Nazi turn, he never, he never mentions freedom. It's a, it's a, interesting. It, mm. I mean, there's a little bit in something, but he basically, he writes an essay on, on Schelling and Schelling's treatise on human freedom. Mm-hmm. But, oh, but okay. basically, basically his idea in being in time is your, if you have an authentic relation to death, that sets you free. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he really abandons that later. But I think that's, I think Kojev thinks Hegel thinks the same thing that, Mm. that, you know, that, that uh, taking that Hegel envisions an authentic relation to death that's possible for the human. That's not possible for the animal, right? Like, so he, he says this thing that, that Hegel says something like this, but this is how Kojev puts it. He says for the animal, death always comes from the exterior, whereas the human 
brings about its own death. Mm. So for Kochev, the greatest freedom and the and the and the really the index of our freedom is suicide. Mm. Right? Like the the fact that you can always and and it's interesting because Sartre this is one of those points where it's influential on Sartre too, because Sartre absolutely thinks that. Like he thinks you're free in every situation because at any point, rather than just capitulating, you could just end mm. it. And and he finds immense, you know, uh, comfort in that. Really, that's, that's and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that that's a Kojevian idea hmm. that he's gotten from this amalgam of. Heidegger and Hegel so, that he's this made. This is really interesting because um, Sartre, obviously one of his major works is a critique of dialectical reason and what he he's um, rejecting uh, Hegel uh, in, in that in different places. Like uh, for, I think we would say not, it's not like completely uh, on the, on, it's, it's, it's around the note. <laughs> it's not on the note. Like, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. but, but it's, but what he, um, rejects, I, I think, is how Kojev casts the, the Hegelian dialectic. So, so, right. so, I mean, Sartre's point. So, in the guise of rejecting Hegel, he, he's rejecting. He's Kojev. rejecting Kojev. Yeah, exactly. As as yeah, other yeah, people yeah, yeah. have, like, because I think actually what Sartre's, um, I think Sartre's point is really that the dialectic isn't dialectical enough, and of course it isn't if you read it in the way that Kojev, Kojev does. does. Um, right. But what is Interesting though is that, that that he does take like I just think that 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 idea um, is that or like what what Kojev finds around uh, uh, death and like the in in the, the human and the, this like because he, doesn't he also distinguish that like death for the animal is external so like it's this like external right it's exterior yeah yeah right. so the this this sort of the sort of like in this this like this internal like like and primary and proximate thing about about death. Um, and the human, like that, just seems like for for Kosha, it seems like such a like a huge influence on existentialism. Yeah, I mean, right, exactly. I mean, it's like Kozhev is the first. I mean, not the first because obviously there's Kierkegaard and all yeah. these others, mm-hmm. but he's really the guy who kind of brings existentialism together, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, I, I, I'm pretty convinced of mm-hmm. that. Like I, I think you can trace most Sartrean ideas. Mm-hmm. To, to Kojev and what he's trying to do. But but certainly the idea and, and this is an this is a Hegelian idea to be fair, but that that the human has its own death within yeah. it and the animal's death comes from the outside. And and for Hegel, this is a this is a like for Sartre, I mean Sartre thinks of it in terms of suicide, but it's almost a theory of death yeah, I know, Hegel, yes. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That it's almost he's almost saying, look, your every human has this self destruction mm-hmm. in it, and that is the thing that that's what defines you as human instead of animal. And 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 don't you think that this is real? I all, I'm tempted to say this is the fundamental philosophical dividing. Okay, because because Deleuze, Spinoza, they absolutely reject that. Think about Spinoza. The, his most famous line is, uh, the free man mm-hmm. thinks of death least of all things. Mm. His philosophy is a meditation on life, not on death. Right? right? Mm-hmm. That's famous, most famous line from the ethics. So Hegel, I think, I mean, Heidegger would, would puke at that, but Hegel would be like, no, no. Like you're, the, the fact that you have your death 
within mm-hmm. you is integral to your the way that you live your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I and, and so I I don't know. I feel like that's a and 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 Deleuze too, even though he he killed himself, so he yeah. his life kind of refutes the point. But um, I don't know. So I think that that is really a dividing line. Yeah. Like, do you think that we're just like animals in the sense that our death is always external, or do you think that whether we kill ourselves or not, that we have our death always within us? Yeah. And I don't. I I think that that's really. I think that that's a. I I don't know that there's anything but a choice about that. You know, like you just have to decide. Don't you think that the the choice is do you? I guess this is what I would say is that like do you do as uh, Freud does, and you make that um, as Joan Kopchak argues that's the death drive is ontology for Freud. Right. Do you right, make right, that right. that notion ontological, or do you excise it from ontology and you make it an epiphenomenon? I think right. that's I think that's what right. it is. Like you just and that I think. That's just, I think that is, yeah, that's a choice. That's, that's really interesting. Like that does, that puts. I mean, it's a fascinating way to divide thinkers, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I think it divides people even today because yeah. think about, think about the people that want to reduce, uh, you know, most of them are ecologically minded, mm-hmm. which is obviously I'm in favor of, but that want to reduce the human animal difference. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that would be one thing that they would just they reject. Would, they would, cut they it would out. just say we're. Yeah. Yeah, we were just, were like them in that way. And then suicide becomes, I think, I think suicide becomes just an index of excess suffering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. so, you know, like people just kill themselves because they suffer too much, but that's not always true. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I've known people that have killed themselves that, that, you know, I mean, for whatever reason, right? Like you don't, I don't think they even knew. Yeah. No, no, I think that's the... No, I think, I mean, that's, that's why, like, uh, that's why, like, suicide is not a, um, isn't, it's not a math equation, you know, that's, that's why, you know, it's, I mean, right. and, and right. to, just to, to put it, to, I mean, it's the same with, like, depression, you know, it's like, if, if there's just, um, I, unfortunately, Fortunately, in the U.S., like athletes are on the vanguard of this because it's like he's rich. What does he have to be sad about? And it's like that's not the right. That's not the no, equation. No, I at mean, all. Uh, it's not like a uh, you know, like your external conditions mm, drive you to kill mm, yourself. Mm, and I think that's Hegel's point in a mm, way, mm, mm, right? Like that's Hegel's point that it's not driven by external conditions. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, that's um, there's this, there's this, um, there's this, this tweet I like a lot that that, that uh, got shared a lot during I don't know a couple months ago it was like na- like national suicide awareness or something in the U S and somebody tweeted that um, you know uh, livable wage is suicide prevention uh, affordable housing is suicide prevention Medicare for all is suicide prevention it's not just like tweeting out the suicide hotline you know when someone's in like yeah. and and I think and I think all of that is true I, I think all of that is true but that's but that um that's only I think that's only part of the yeah. part of it because yeah. I'm not even sure if that's true yeah. at all. Well, it's not, actually. it's not the complete picture, yeah. but it does make yeah. it, it does kind of reduce it all to the external. Like it is all like yeah. the, the, like right. it's, it's all right. social and economic factors and it is not right. something, right. So, so it's not something that is mystifying your death with yeah, mystifyingly right? like yeah. self-destructive, like, like and right. buried. Yeah. Buried. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, so that's, the, I mean, it's like a, that's like a Deleuzian response hmm. 
to the epidemic of suicide. I mean, one idea in America would be to like ban guns because right the, yeah. that would eliminate uh, you know like ninety percent of them. So, but that's of course not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. So. Um, that's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and also to find a proper sleep medication, like that's what killed Heath Ledger. I think oh. right? like he couldn't. Is this- couldn't get to sleep. That's fair, fair. Yeah. Well, yeah. You end up yeah. like you're. you're uh, it's it's more. I. It's, you know. It's hard for me. I play insomnia Jeopardy every night, and I, I can't imagine for other people who who it's. You know. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so 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 there is this kind of strange link between in Kojev between Hegelian phenomenology and Husserlian phenomenology, mm-hmm. which we've like done a lot to say is totally wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's interesting that, and I think it, it a lot of it comes back to the temporality aspect mm-hmm, that he's emphasizing that. So you can kind of see how he gets to that. The other thing that he does is that he thinks that, that Hegel's dialectic applies only to the human world and not to the natural world at all. So part two of the encyclopedia, Philosophy of Nature, Kojev just threw away his copy. <laughs> He just he just thought it's garbage. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so it's a it's just a fascinating thing that and so all the claims that say Slavoj or I or you know other people want to make about uh, Rebecca Comey, other people want to make about Hegel as a thinker of ontology. Mm-hmm. You know, Kojev just thinks that's his nonsense. Interesting. It's just he's just talking about the human alone. Mm. Uh how does he justify that? Well, because he thinks only the human has this. This is more in the French copy, right? And less in the, the American. Yeah, it's less in the French. It's less in the English translation. Yeah, that's right. Um, because he thinks that nature is not dialectical. Okay. Like you can't look out at the natural world and see dialectics. And it's interesting because I, I was watching a German. Uh, Hegelian explaining Hegel's dialectic with a plant. Mm. And then I thought, well, that doesn't seem right <laughs> to me. Uh, you know, like the, the, the synthesis is the oh, fruit oh. that comes off. And I, I just, I wanted to just vomit. But Well, that's only if but, you think it's synthesis, right? Like if you, yeah. Right, I know. But, but right. But the, the, the point is that the, the natural world is also contradictory, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like what he could have said is, even the, I mean, here's what, how I would characterize it, that the difference is, even that what we were talking about, about death, mm-hmm. like the way in which contradiction just swallows up things in the natural world, it destroys mm-hmm. them. Whereas humans are able to internalize contradiction and thus to destroy themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the, that's the difference. But he just doesn't think, he doesn't think, he thinks nature is evolutionary, mm-hmm. not dialectical. Mm-hmm. So he's just, you know, he's just a Darwinist. He just thinks, you know, it it, it develops according to its a, a lot. And, you know, I think, don't you think that it's the, his emphasis on signification and language that leads him to this position? I mean, it might be Lacan's position, in fact. Mm. Yeah, no, I can see that. I mean, I think that that's like, um, there's a point where, there is a point where people following uh, Darwin attribute things to evolution that kind of just make them sound like creationists. I think, like or, or I oh I know yeah I like know. or or rather uh, like it's intelligent design 
or teleology. Yeah, that's it. Right. That's exactly. Like, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. again, it's the like it's the it's the the random advantage of a of a of a mutation in a specific you know like that's the that's the thing it's not the not like oh it was always going to go that way like that's right the, right I mean it's interesting don't you think that they they need a little bit of owl of Minerva <laughs> that's nice into their into their thinking about I mean they never think that like oh it's because I'm at this perspective that I can see I can make this claim about how that developed yeah no that's a nice point yeah 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 no I like that. Um, that's interesting. I think, um, okay. So wait, so what, what's, are you, so you're, you're, I just wanted to, to be clear. Are you on the side that the dialectical is not in nature and it's just a way of understanding the social and the subjective? No, no, no. I'm not on that okay, side okay. at all. I think nature is dialectical as okay. well, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I just think that's, but you know, again, this is one of those areas where Kojev influences Sartre and Merleau-Ponty mm-hmm. and that whole French tradition. Mm-hmm. Derrida, Foucault, like they all talk, there's just an allergy to talking about the natural world, Yeah. right? Yeah. Where, do, where does Foucault ever, ever, ever talk about the natural world? Never. Yeah. Where does Merleau-Ponty? Never. Where does Sartre? Never. Hmm. Where does Derrida? Never, right? Like it's all about this total turn to the human. Even when Lacan, what is it, like the... Uh, the the hum, human is an animal that can lie by telling the truth. You know, right, like that's the, right, but it's only the contrast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's really. I think that's all Kojic, hmm. that influence. I mean, it's just incredible, really. The influence. I think it just can't be overstated. Hmm. My, it's my view. Wow. Man, I, I think the okay. The final thing I'd like yeah, to yeah. say is that so his notion of freedom. Oh yeah, that's right. Freedom. Before we get to the influence, mm-hmm. yeah, that freedom for Kojic, just as you said, is negation, mm-hmm. and that's. I think that's not Hegel's. It's interesting <laughs> that that is not a German idealist idea of freedom, right? Like from Kant, and Hegel, I think, takes this up and, and, and modifies it slightly, but Kant's notion of freedom is very precise. It's that freedom is the ability to give the law to oneself, mm-hmm. right? Now, Kojev takes, like, like because the Hegelian subject is constantly negating. Mm-hmm. He sees that as the index, the sign of the, of the subject's freedom. And he even says the free subject is a annihilating nothingness, which mm. is almost a direct quotation from Jean-Paul Sartre, except, of course, <laughs> of course, it has to be reversed because, you know, you know, that Sartre comes afterward. Yes. So it's, it's just fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. Like, it's the basis of Sartre's whole philosophy. <laughs> whole philosophy. That freedom is in our annihilating approach to things, <laughs> right? That we negate everything that we come across, mm-hmm. and that's why we're free. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's a Kojevian idea. It just takes it up hook, line. Now, paper. that's, um, so. for, for anyone listening, that is in the English. Like, that's even in the in the beginning. Like, the, the way right, that right. Um, Kojev... I think I think it's kind of interesting. Like he um, he makes uh, he he even makes like consumption like of goods, like of common goods and services or whatever yeah. into like these are everyday quotidian acts of negation. So there right. is no because consumption. I, I think like that does sound like I mean that's the common word for for these things. Like that sounds like it's it's additive. And he says no. 
you like it's 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 a this you're negating, negating as you're as you're going out and, and, and inter- like you, the only way you interact with the world is through this negation this fundamental fundamental negation right. that's right. Kojo's point it's it's like like uh, written like right through um the uh, even even in the english version yeah it's right through and it, it, it is just stunning mm. that sart just takes <laughs> it up totally yeah yeah i mean just no attribution at all and just like that's his that's the basis of his that's the basis of being in nothingness, mm-hmm. you know? So I, it's just, it's shocking, really. I mean, just, I, I hope that that's the one thing that's come through is, mm. is this massive influence yeah, yeah. that Kojev has had on, on thought in the 20th century. And that's why I think he's the most influential thinker of the 20th century. Like, really, I, I can't think of anyone else who, who has shaped so many other I mean, just for his influence on Sartre alone is is, uh, but but then Lacan, like Lacan's entire, you know, dialectic of desire, mm. even though he modifies it slightly, comes from Kojev. Uh, you know, his uh, Foucault, even his history of <laughs> of different his archaeology comes from Kojev. So I I, I just think it's really and you have to also to include. Don't you also have to fold in the pushback on those ideas from those thinkers too right. as being part right. because exactly. what Kojev does is he he brackets the conversation in a certain way just as we were talking about when we were talking about like you know suicide and 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 death and like and just like the this like primary self-destruction in a certain way like you either think it's ontological or you put it outside like it, this is the same thing like what Kojev does for all these ideas again, like like death and the human. Like I just want to like go through this because it's like in front of me. Like the um, like the 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 notion that the dialectic is not in nature. That um yeah. that the the idea that Hegel is on to a kind of Husserlian phenomenology, which is he's he's yeah. not. But that's what that's how Kojev reads him. The again the time like this emphasis on time, um and yeah. uh. And again, this freedom and, and negation, and of course, master slave, which we spent the beginning part of this talking about, like, right? And 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 then also finally the historical anthropologist yeah. Hegel as a historical anthropologist, right? Like, so, so it just, and it, then, it, like and that sets then, the conversation and, and, completely, right? And then of course the end of history, yeah. which we haven't really dealt with so much, but that's the we dealt with a little bit, but that's the real crowning jewel, and then it shapes everything. How and you're, I think you're so right to say it's actually almost more important for how Hegel gets rejected mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than for how he gets accepted. <laughs> That's pretty right? funny, like, yeah. Like the, yeah, like all the, all the arguments against Hegel are arguments against Kojev. Uh, the, Al- almost the, all. The uh, crowning crown jewel is the crowning turd in the water pipe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a... It's a uh, I, I would say Kozhev is easier to read than Hegel. So. Yeah, there's a, I think that's <laughs> there true. is that. He's more yeah, interesting to read. Like I, I, I mean, at the just the level of the line, it's really interesting. It's like ah, uh, it's it's a great look. It's a great book, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, we've been kind of negative, but it's 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 we've like, been dialectical. We've been a, properly dialectical. I think. Okay, yeah. good. I feel like I've been maybe too negative, but it's a stunning achievement. I think just just incredible, really. Mm. I don't know. So that's, I, I, I guess I want to leave with that mm. because I do feel like, but my lesson is that one must learn French to read <laughs> Kojev. <laughs> and that's pretty good. If one cannot, I think, uh, watch Now Voyager because that's a, um, I think that, 
That's right. That's a nice Kojevian. That's a good lesson, yeah. Ryan. It's a great movie. It too, is a great movie. If you haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Um, the 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 height of Betty Davis's career. I think that's right. Do you think it ends though? On, I think it ends on part of the reason I suggested it is I think it ends on a Hegelian contradiction. Oh, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because yes. yeah. it does, I, the line the final line doesn't really make sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Which is what's great yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, the only thing is it's the kind of refusal to have sex, which mm. is the only thing that's a little bit. Well, that's you kind of like. I mean, but you want to end with a bang. No, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. very funny. But they share a cigarette. You know, it's it's in the code. So there's that. In the code, yeah. right? There is yeah. that. There is that. All right, Ryan. Over now. Over now, Todd.